I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. We finish today where Her Majesty will finish her royal drive at the gates of her palace in London. My name is Marcus Speller. Jonathan Wilson sat opposite me, smiling away. Uh, and this time around, we have Seb Stafford Bloor, editor, uh, content editor of TV Football Rights for Football 365 and 442. Seb, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Now, Seb, you have picked a game which uh, I think is the oldest game um, so far, or it, it, it will be one of the oldest games I'd imagine that we'll have on this series. It's the 1953 FA Cup final where, where Blackpool beat Bolton Wanderers 4 3. Uh, an absolute classic. The Stanley Matthews final uh, is, is dubbed uh, this, this this game, of course, uh, much to the uh, uh, bemusement, I suppose, of Stan Mortensen, who scored a hat-trick in the final. But why have you gone for this one, Seb? I think, Marcus, it, it's such a big topic. I think if you if you sat three guys down uh, around a table and asked mm-hmm. them to talk about the 53 Cup final, the conversation can go in so many different directions. But it I depends mean, who, which three guys produce. I, I suppose so. But <laughs> <laughs> you just so happen to be with Jonathan and I today, Seb. <laughs> I think kind of it's a it's a even if you're even if you're a, a sort of a, a casual football fan, you know the fifty three cup final as, as the Matthews final. You probably know about Stan Morton's hat trick. But then depending on your interest, you can go deep into it and you can go on these sort of offshoots into of course six months later, um England are getting humbled by Hungary at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um you can go back, you can explore the kind of the the nature of English football at the time. But also the more you read and the more you find out about it, the more you realise that whilst Superficially, there are there are so many differences to see in the game. Then there are trends and themes within it which really persist to the current day. 
to the present day. Um, and it's just, it's, it's very rich. Um, I'm not sure, I mean, 4-3, it sounds like a better game than it really is, I think. I mean, um, <laughs> even even excusing the caveats about sort of the footage, um, obviously the first FA Cup final that the BBC broadcast, um, I'm not the biggest Kenneth Wilson home fan. Um, so take all of that. That's He's it. a shocking commentator who produced a great line at a great moment, <laughs> do, do, do you know which is massively kind of inflated his reputation. Do you know it's really interesting? I, I've always imagined Kenneth Wilson home to have been 65 in perturity. Yeah. So you just that that's how you imagine him. Oh, yeah. He's 32, 33 when he when he, when he, when he's covering this game and he sounds he's talking about there are moments during the game where where, where Matthews is is dancing down the right wing and particularly during the last sort of 15 minutes and he's saying things like all oh, right now now come on Stanley what are you going to do here and he, he sounds like his dad Stanley yeah. Matthews Stanley Matthews is 38 at the time <laughs> this game's happening and you you're talking about a guy that's actually younger than I am mm-hmm. now and it's um it's just interesting it's kind of I have this this visual image of uh, you know quite an elderly gentleman and sort of you know not really the mm-hmm. you know he, he goes through the final by talking about right well uh, you know this fullback he, he came into the team a couple of weeks ago and it's it's very it's a football commentator for people that don't really like or are interested in football. It's, it's sort of your your entry point for a lot of people, which but I, I, but I think that's actually like yeah exactly. that, that is that is true. And I think yeah. one of the you know, you're absolutely right that uh, there's a extraordinary number of trends coming together in this game. Yeah. And actually, probably the least important of them is Stanley Matthews. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you, one one of the one of the key trends is I, I think you can make a very good argument. This is the first time the football becomes the mass sport. Mm. Um, and I suspect we'll come on to that. But yeah, for a lot of people watching, they they wouldn't have known anything about football. They certainly have no idea about how football should be covered. Because as you say, it was the first final to be broadcast live by the BBC. And the first time that a lot of people had televisions. Yeah. You know, the coronation was a month later. The coronation was June the 2nd. This game was May the 2nd. The coronation was an event for which a lot of people bought or, or rented their first TV. And and so a lot of them got in a month early so they could watch the cup final. This was the so, warm-up to the coronation so they, almost. Didn't yeah. So, so, they, you know, the, the, so they, they think maybe as many as 12 million people watched the game, which is, if you think of... The figures we're getting, say, the Women's World Cup now, where mm-hmm. you know we're sort of talking about six to seven million as being an extraordinary figure, which which it is. Mm-hmm. Twelve million in those days for anything. Okay, it, there's only one channel, but it's still uh, a mass event in the way that probably nothing had ever been before. Mm-hmm. It's actually amazing to look at. I was I was ill over the weekend, and so while the rest of the country was sitting in parks getting a suntan, I was sat in bed drawing sort of tenuous spider grass about all the things that had happened in 1953. And in retrospect, it must be an amazing time if you're a, if you're a a, a, a a television journalist at the time when when sort of television starts to take over in this country. As a year, I made a list of the things that happened, the things that, that everybody knows about. So obviously, the coronation, uh, sugar rationing ends later in the year, and Everest gets conquered. I think at the end of April, 29th of April. Uh, it's yeah, it's just like bef- it's not far before couple of days before the okay. So it's at the end. So, sorry, end of yeah. May. Other than that, though, we've got Tito becoming president of Yugoslavia, which is a pretty seismic event, obviously, mm-hmm. with a, you know, a few decades of hindsight. Um, Nikita Khrushchev uh, comes to power in the Soviet Union. Uh, the Oscars are broadcast for the, on television for the first time. <laughs> uh, Fleming publishes his first James Bond novel, which I think is Casino Royale. And the Rosenbergs are ex- executed for espionage. So it's like this, this, this and, this, and Arthur Miller, uh, Arthur Miller's The Crucible opens on Broadway as well. So there's all these Gordon things. Gordon Richards wins the derby for the first well, time. There you go. There you go. Uh, I think the the sound barrier gets broken for the first time. So 53 is uh, what a year. 
My mum was born in 53. I, I sorry, yes, I kind of have to mention that. Just <laughs> she listens to everything I do. So yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, she would be pleased to be mentioned in the exactly, same breath. Exactly, exactly. I always try and work her in like that. Yeah, <laughs> Rosenbergs, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh. Um, uh, so well, actually, that, let's, let's pick up on the TV point, because I, I think yeah. one of the... Um, one of the things that happened was, I think this is the, the moment at which you can say this is when football becomes the national sport rather than cricket. So it's this, you know, this four-three classic as people sort of. I agree with you; it's not as good it's a game as that game. makes it sound. Yeah. But still, four-three is exciting. Mm. This comeback from three-one down. We'll get we'll get into the flow sure. of the game later. Um, and I, I think what, what's really telling is that uh, on the on the radio on the BBC Light program, they only broadcast the commentary of the second half. In the first half, they were concentrating on the Australian tourist cricket team playing at, uh, I think it was Leicestershire, and Hampshire v Essex in the county championship. <laughs> um, and Neville Cardus, you know, the great cricket writer, the Guardian's cricket correspondent uh, from through the 20s and 30s before he, yeah, he moved to Australia, came back after the war, and he was primarily a music critic by then, but he still, he ended up writing for the Manchester Guardian, as it then was, on the ashes that summer. But he wrote a letter to the Times it's quite a weird thing that a freelance journalist would just give away words for free. But in, anyway, <laughs> um, and it, he, he'd he been to Lords, uh, so yeah, not far from Wembley at all. I mean, these days, what, four or five stops down the Jubilee Something line? Like Those it, days, yeah. I guess you get the Metropolitan line from Baker Street. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, it's close to close together, the two homes of, you know, the homes of the two two great English sports. And he, he went to watch the first first class game of the season, which is the MCC against Yorkshire. And uh, this, is, this is what he wrote. Play was not possible until 3.15. Then the players came into the field, and in an hour, 20-odd runs were scored without a sign of a daring gesture, without a hint of personal relish. And then, after an hour of what I can fairly call a creeping paralysis, the players left the field. <laughs> for tea. The small crowd looked on in silence. As I depart from the ground, I felt pretty certain I'd been attending a decaying contemporary industry... <laughs> which, but for the artificial respiration applied from time to time by the Australians, will before long pass into the hands of the brokers and gradually disappear, not greatly lamented, into profound oblivion. My goodness. That's wonderful. Which, yeah, and, and to be fair, he probably could produce that every year since about cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and probably had been producing it for 50 years before that. But he, he then made the point that uh, Geoffrey Green, the great uh, football correspondent for the Times, had in his match report on the game spoken of football as the game of the people. A few years earlier, Carter said he'd he'd have been up in arms about that, mm. but he now accepted that he was probably right. Well, when he talks about a small crowd and a very humble affair, as you say, just down the road. I mean, what is the official attendance? A hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Perhaps maybe a few more in there, but it's certainly an enormous crowd who are treated to. Okay, in terms of quality, not not brilliant, but it was a seven goal. You know, an amazing ending to the game. Um, well, and, let, and, let, and you can see how it kind of swings. But yeah, let's let, let's, let's go through the names. So sure. two minutes in, Bolton take the lead. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk us through one of the great Wembley goals? <laughs> <laughs> it almost, it almost. I yeah. It, George Farmer was a Scottish international. Let's just let's say that before we, we get going. Also became a lighthouse operator in later mm. life, which is just the wonderful <laughs> metaphor for uh, for goalkeeping. Um, one of the worst uh, goalkeeping mistakes I think I've ever seen at Wembley. Might, for people yeah, who haven't one. seen. He has another one a couple of minutes later. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a, you know. just a few minutes later. But imagine, um, everyone remember Scott Carson's uh, famous moment against Croatia at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but without all the asterisks relating to the weather. Yep. And uh, so Lofthouse kind of scuds one in from uh, from about 20 yards. And I don't know what George Farmer was doing. He had a, 
apparently he had a very strange technique when he was trying to catch the ball. So obviously modern goalkeeping, um, this might not be great podcasting content. It'll be three o'clock and nine o'clock. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not not dissimilar to the driving position, basically. Um, Whereas Farm liked to catch it at... 12, 12 o'clock and 6, and six yeah. which, which is a... It's a Aussie rules a bit, isn't it? A little bit Aussie rules, a little bit, but I, I, I just, I'd like to... It's also to be, a child playing cricket, isn't it? Sort of a little bit, a, a child who's afraid of the ball and yeah. sort of wants to protect his face. And you just think, yeah. I, I'd love to meet the, the, the succession of coaches who refuse to coach that out. <laughs> because you just, you think, right, in, in 10 years' time, you're going to be at Wembley. And his body, if you look at that goal now, even even um, through the, the television quality at the time, um, the broadcasting issues... It, it's not. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, the posture and the technique and the addressing the ball. He kind of, he sort of collapses into it, and I think he gets a little bit of shoulder, but it can only sort of deflect it into the corner of his own net. And mm-hmm. it's um, and Wollstoneholm goes off on this kind of. Now I was a goalkeeper, and I can tell you that's very, very embarrassing. I'm not sure that was entirely necessary for him to add, even for people that were new to the game because it, it's ugly it's quite funny ugly, to hear as you say moment. a man who was what 32 saying well I was a goalkeeper yeah back <laughs> you, in the day you uh, can still be playing yeah, if you want. yeah exactly he, he sort of um, yeah very very strange I mean he, he makes it sound like he was taking part in, in village games with sort of 50 players <laughs> aside and you know which perhaps he did, he um, did. you never know with old Kenneth but so, yeah so 1-0 I mean, uh, Bolton very much on top yeah um, Lofthouse hits the post mm-hmm. yeah. uh, then the follow up Willie Moyer the, the, the captain his shots blocked on the line and then um, 10 minutes before half time Stan Hansen the, the Bolton goalkeeper has, has his moment in the sun <laughs> yeah it wasn't a game for the goalkeepers I have to say no no it wasn't I mean it, it's it's um it's uh, uh, I mean it, it's interesting isn't it kind of the, the deflection because Walsenholm calls it at the time he calls it as a as a um, as a hassle own goal um, when, when, when it, and obviously it's sort of gone down and, and it's the first Wembley hat-trick and he concedes just ah uh, yeah ugly Ugly, mm-hmm. but then, you know, essentially, Mortensen finds space at the back of the box. And yeah, his shots uh, it does take a slight deflection, mm. but it's it's it, an own goal. It, yeah, it's an own goal. Probably. I mean, I, I, I would actually argue that kind of the the the, the, the worst area is is for for Mortensen's second in the second half when when it kind of I, I, yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. I'm <laughs> jumping. I'm jumping. Yeah. I mean, we're just piling on the goalkeepers, um, aren't we? It's, we are. it's not very fair. Uh, uh, and by this point, Eric Bell, the uh, Bolton <laughs> left half, is already limping mm. pretty badly. Like no really bad. No substitutions in those days. It's a, no it's a torn hamstring, isn't it, rather than a pulled hamstring? Yeah, but I mean, he's like um, you see him. It, it almost looks like it's so bad. Limp. It almost looks like he's putting it on really badly. He's like really dragging it, it, exactly the leg. That. You sort of see him in the um, in the coverage every now and again. He kind of limps into shot. Um, it's a strange thing it's, it's actually there's a, a tactical point there to be made because obviously um, he gets injured and Bolton try and hide him basically mm-hmm. they, they they stick him out onto the left wing and, and you think right given who you're facing and given where the danger in that side yeah. is where would you put your, your useless player and it's something about I remember I was reading Jonathan's book actually a couple of weeks ago about how um, about the um, England's 4-0 win in Turin mm-hmm. um, about how there's a point in the game where Italy are completely dominant. This right is 1948. 1948, right. And, um, and England are getting battered. And, and Stanley Matthews is just kind of watching on from, from the halfway line on its way and just saying, this is a, they're really, really playing very, very well, aren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it's just interesting for me because to, to see a point at which, I know the imperatives around wing play and defensive responsibilities have changed, but it's just interesting when you think, yeah, that's, you know, I'll just stay here and, and, and watch yeah. it's like. Well, actually, like, that same year, 48 in the cup final when Manchester United played yeah. Blackpool, um, Matt Busby, he, you know, who's sort of thought of now and, and even by the 60s was thought of as being 
pretty laissez-faire in his approach to tactics. Mm. And he got Charlie Mitten, United swinger, essentially to man-mark Matthews. And Matthews apparently was saying to Mitten all, all game, this, this really won't do. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> you're not going to get any headlines doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they did get the cup, so... Yeah, well, there you are. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it, it is interesting when you kind of map it out like that, just the differences in, in, yeah. in the game. I mean, I think... Talking of the the goalkeepers, Farm, the goalkeeper. I yeah. think it was it. Didn't he score in his professional career? Was it Farm? Possibly he, because he got possibly. injured and was put up front or something like I that. I don't know. But it just showed. But I, I'm, I think it might have been Farm. But that shows you back in those days, no substitutes. Mm. Um, okay, well we don't want to go down to ten men unnecessarily. So Farm, I can confirm. Yeah, in 461 games to Blackpool, did score one goal. There you are. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. I, anyway, back to the the final though. It's so, so four minutes after the equaliser. Uh, Farm yep. gives another one back. Might I say that was worse? Yeah, I think it probably. Was I think even it looks worse. worse because he he comes sort of he comes sort of starfishing out of his goal. So, uh, so Moya lifts the ball into the box, yeah. it's sort of a, a a cross at sort of forty five degrees or so. There appears to be very little pace on the ball. It's Locked the heavy house. ball as well, so it's not it's not moving, it's not flying. Yeah, I mean the the, the camera angle. Uh, there's a camera angle from behind the goal, which I think is where it looks awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he yeah the, the farm comes out. Lofthouse, I guess, is the man you, you probably don't want to clatter into. As we hadn't had the 58 World Cup yet. Yeah, the FA Cup final, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. when, when Lofthouse yeah, yeah. um, scores against Manchester United. And they, they both miss it, and the ball sort of very gently sort of over the line. plops over the line. Yeah. So there's a bolt and a 2 1 up at, at half time. Um, and then 10 minutes in the second half, Bell scores. the injured Bell. Managed to get a goal. Um, sort of rises. I, I think. He, he, I think. I, I can't really make it out. I think it's Eddie Schimmel. He gets up ahead of uh, in the box. Just rises like a salmon, despite you know torn hamstring and all, mm. and scores. And actually, if you, if it's you kind watch, of the first proper goal of a game. It, it, it? Yeah. It's, it's it's the only. I, I'd say um, it's the only sort of non chaotic goal in the game, mm. apart from the free kick. But set oh, I don't think you're being harsh on the seventh goal as well. But I don't know. I mean. I, I mean Certainly, if you if you if you read Matthew's autobiography, it's kind of a little bit of a happy accident in the end because he's, he's. I don't think he's aiming for Perry. He's aiming for Morton. Because Morton kind does. of lets it go or doesn't. And Morton sort of has this spiel right. afterwards. Where he talks. But about anyway, we, we, anyway. We'll, we'll do that in order. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing that. Um, yeah, and, and if you if you watch the celebration, um, uh, Bell scores, and a couple of his teammates gather around him, mm. and then the whole team starts sort of thronging towards him, and and, and people saying, "No, stay, stay away from him. You're gonna, mm. you, he's going to become even more useless." <laughs> right. It's um. It's it's an amazing thing actually just to see and you've, Jonathan said earlier about the kind of the how pronounced his limp is and how immobile he is for what's I think that the that goal's in the fifty eighth minute fifty uh, fifth fifty fifth minute so he's been gets injured after eighteen minutes so he's been limping around Wembley for you know for a good half an hour plus and um, still manages to, to still maybe manages they to got score. something into him at half time to take the pain away I, I don't know territorial. I, I mean, I, well, no, just give him painkillers. I mean, there's nothing. I don't know if it's a torn hamstring, though. It's kind of, it's uh, he's still number pain. He's got some strapping on. I think sort of Wolstenholme is, is is tracking that in the first half when he goes off for treatment. He's like, I got some strapping, and I don't understand what that's supposed to do. Which is <laughs> there was a you know a war eight years earlier, so it's kind of uh, I'm not sure. Where, um, are torn hamstrings a big issue in the war? <laughs> no, but I mean in terms of strapping and and you know the appearance of strapping for people who appear to be injured, I reckon probably yeah, okay, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, mm. well, there aren't even torn hamstrings in this second. <laughs> well, yeah. so well, I mean, I, I, one of the problems was, of course, that they just didn't warm up properly. They didn't, they there's no the stretching. It's really, well, you know, kind of, was yeah. going over the top. But. Just leapt into action and just, you know. Indeed. Well, Bolton then went, as I say, 3-1 up. And it looked uh, <laughs> yeah. like a pretty decent lead. And, and the way the game was going, it was a long way back for Blackpool. 
but they but they uh, they went through the gears and they and what slowly Matthews. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. really late. Mm-hmm. Matthews begins to assert himself, given that he's you know essentially Blackpool have an extra man down there, right, which is where their biggest threat is coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, sixty eight minutes halfway through the second half. Uh, Matthews uh, goes past Malcolm Barris, uh, the the centre half. So I don't even really know where the left back had disappeared to. No. Uh, but Barris had to had a, had a go to meet him, and Matthews sees him coming, just sort of darts past him, um, crosses, Hansen fumbles, obviously <laughs> another yep. another goalkeeping error, and there's there's Mortensen at the back post to yeah. knock the ball in. But it, I mean, fumbles is too generous, even it's sort of he just it's he a, just a, yeah, it's a flap. It's, it's a, a flap. Yeah, you I can't mean, imagine an easier cross for a keeper, and it's high, it's floated. He's not really under pressure until mm-hmm. after he drops it. It's not many um, not many caveats. I think it's actually it's kind of it, it's strangely iconic in a way because Mortensen Mortensen somehow manages to score. As a I, you you can't really see how he does it. Um, and he seems to get, he seems to climb with the post and get what looks like a fairly major concussion in the process. Mm. Um, if you see him get up, he's he's all over the place. He has to actually be dragged back to his feet by his teammates, um, and that fits very neatly in with with the kind of the story of Mortensen's life. I mean, in in a different world in which this wasn't about Stanley Matthews and him winning his, his cup final medal for his dad and that kind of thing, and given who Matthews was, you would recognise the guy who nearly died in a Wellington bomber during the war, during a training exercise. But, you know, I remember there's um, there's a chapter in Hot Cross Football Man where he he interviews Mortensen years afterwards and he can still see the scar at the base of his skull from the accident. I think, um, I don't think he was the only survivor. I think one, everyone died apart from a pilot who lost a leg, but he was the only person to come out unscathed. So um, it's a man who, who sort of struggled to sleep for the rest of his life and, you know, scored an FA Cup hat-trick. I mean, first goal aside, I you know, we can we can be. Um, we but can it's be credited to him. It's credited to him, but I, I think it's 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 almost a great tragedy, um, as is his playing by Gavin Rossdale in um, the game of their lives, which is is a American film of their 1950 World Cup win, in which he he sounds. So like, they were in the US beat England one 0 Yeah, Cup. exactly. And Morton Morton sounds like well, uh, like me. You know, this guy from <laughs> County Durham who he sounds like a member of the Bullingdon Club. He's, he's sort of like cast in that sort of very condescending um, imperial era kind of British man mm-hmm. and um, it's a great shame Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Carrying on with Stan Morton and yeah. what, what he could do on the pitch, there was no doubt um, about that free kick he took. Oh, he yeah. could kick a ball, you know. I mean, my <laughs> yeah. goodness, you know, I, uh, questionable where the wall was and all that kind of stuff. Well, but, but yeah, it, it is, but not it's not that questionable. I mean, True. essentially, so it's a free kick just mm-hmm. to the left of goal. What twenty-two yards out? Maybe? Couple of yards outside, that just 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 on a slight angle as well, mm-hmm. and absolutely lashes it past the I mean as he's looking at the left side of the wall yeah. into the top corner so I guess the, the, the same sort of position that Jeff Hurst scores his hat-trick goal yeah. from yeah. Yeah. 66 World Cup final mm-hmm. but so I mean it's a, it's a great strike yeah, sure you, is. You, yeah. one minute to go as well yeah you, you, I know you mean about the wall but equally I don't think the wall has to be very far out of, out of position yeah, and, to be, and to be fair, those players and he, the heavy ball you wouldn't yeah. want. To I'm, I'm not putting my face in the way of that. <laughs> and he, he, there might have been yeah. just a little bit of left to right movement on that. I mean, I, I know the idea of curling the ball around walls was mm-hmm. you didn't really come in till, till the you know, Brazilians in the late 50s and early 60s. But um, there might have been a little bit of left to right movement on it. But he absolutely he hammers, hammers it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the last minute to equalise. I mean, absolutely. that's. I mean, they're probably looking at that thinking this, this is our last chance. This is yeah. this is the game here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thunders the ball home as you say. One minute to go. But the game's still not about him somehow. Yeah, well that's right. And then and then of course in in injury time, uh, the ball finds Matthews once again out on the right wing, and once again drops the shoulder and goes on the outside of the of the defender. I think I think why I find that sort of that passage of play interesting those last few minutes where Blackpool's game plan becomes solely to feed the ball to Matthews, Mm. um, is that I think it's very descriptive of what football was in England at the time so you, you kind of you have this systemic weakness in the WM where you know because of the, the fullbacks you're always going to have space for one of your wingers and so that becomes the way English teams play yeah I mean just just to explain that yes um, in a little bit more detail the the, the idea of turning a defence which is a, a, a term you still hear now but I think it's it's changed its meaning but now it sort of means you play the ball in behind them and you make them turn 180 degrees in those days it meant you took the ball down the left wing so if you imagine you've got a winger, a centre forward, and a right winger, so the right back goes to the to the winger, the um the centre back sort of leaves the, the centre forward to, to, to come and support him. So then the left back tucks in to cover. So if you can then play a crossfield ball, mm-hmm. your right winger has got acceleration room, so when the left back tries to get out to him, he's already moving at pace. Yeah. And obviously if you've got a player moving at pace at a you know, at a, at a player who's sort of trying to move back into position, you don't have to do very much. As Sandy Matthews very rarely did very much. I mean, <laughs> you know, the most famous English player till the eighties, probably. Probably, probably. Uh, and yet, all he ever did was one trick. I suppose um, if you've got if you've got that sort of you've got the ability to exploit that weakness with a player like Matthews and a centre forward like Mortensen, because yes, Matthews is going to beat a player, but he's also a good crosser of the ball. Yeah. Mortensen is a is a sort of a. a 
he's a barrel of a centre forward, mm. really. Um, it's a it's a combination that if, unless it's challenged from outside, you don't really have to vary that much. It's just it's interesting. I, I so I, it must have been in the late eighties. My my father bought me this sort of um, mechanical football game. It's like a sort of um, mechanical Sabutio, really. Where another one, you know the one, yeah. right? And the, the the players move up and down the field on yeah, grooves. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit like watching that. If you yeah, watch the whole yeah. game, you see, you know, the ball moves from left to right, as Jonathan explained, because that's the way you 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 open space and exploit mm-hmm. it. But it's very much players picking up the ball and charging forward. Oh, it's all in straight lines. Exactly that. Exactly that. And it, I, I just, if you if you watch even just those 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 few minutes after Mortensen's equaliser, Black will run the same move again and again and again. And it's just interesting to see how. It's interesting to see how little adaption there is to it. Mm. If that was to happen now, if you were to have a a vulnerability that you needed to protect in the last few minutes of a cup final, you know, the managers have all sorts of solutions that they would employ to, you know, to, to bank up a fragility, um, to harden a fragility. And yet Matthews wins the game by doing the same thing that he's been trying to do really for 15 minutes, which is very, he doesn't win the game. He creates the opportunity mm. which wins the game. But it's um it's very descriptive and it's also well I think one of the reasons for that is that in you know when two WMs meet each other so you know if it's a three two two three if you if you want to imagine it like that uh, each player has a direct opponent so you, I, I think people were discouraged from thinking about the team as a whole mm-hmm. you just thought about your immediate opponent and you know this idea of switching the play that was the one clever yeah. twist to that yeah. and of course as soon as Brazil coming in 1958 playing the back four, even Hungary later in the year, which we'll get on to playing a quasi back four, suddenly that, that acceleration room isn't there because you've got effectively two centre backs. So you're not asking the left back to cover the centre half. You've got the two centre backs there anyway, so the left back can get on with protecting, defending against the winger. Yeah. So that, that 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 winning goal we should describe. We should mention the, 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 the South African born Bill Perry. Yeah, so, yes. so Matthews gets to the line, drags it back, you know, low cross. Um, yeah, maybe he was aiming for Morton's near post. Sort of in his autobiography, in his second autobiography, he says he was, and he kind of he says uh, he saw Morton moving away from the ball, and he got discouraged, so he sort of rolled over towards the sort of the, the photographers on the on the touchline, and he um, yeah, and then then saw Perry closing in. So Perry, the yeah, South African-born born Johannesburg, yeah. as you say, left winger coming in. So I mean, it, it ends up sort of being right in the middle of a goal, and yeah, side foot. It's a very Manchester City goal, which I think is interesting. Very modern Manchester City goal, yeah. In that. Guardiola has almost moved back to a WM and he's now scoring one of the types of goals that the WM used to produce. You know, they're not scoring the mm-hmm. the big cross of the back post type goal, mm-hmm. but they score a lot of that goal where the winger gets to the line, cuts it back, yeah. and uh, yeah, then players running in have a relatively easy finish. Mm. And it's interesting because you know, we've mentioned it enough times there how Matthews, it's called the Matthews final, not the Mortensen final. As soon as the final whistle goes, a few of those, a fair few of those Bolton players immediately go over to Matthews. Lofthouse as well is one of them. Supposedly, yeah. uh, rumour has it, or legend has it. In a friendly uh, manner, I should Absolutely, say. yeah, not to. Not to. <laughs> no, I, 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 in a congratulatory kind of attitude and, and, and a full of praise for his performance. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I think um, if, you, if you take uh, Matthews' life, life as, a, as a whole, um, I think it's, it's deserving. I, I mean, I, the Mortensen argument is obvious. Of, mm-hmm. of course, everyone's made that one. But I, if you think of um, the things he did, in, in, especially towards the end of his life, like uh, I think he, he goes at, in the 70s to Soweto to coach South African players. He goes into townships at a time when um, it would have been very, very dangerous for a white man to go into a, a township. And he's, he's coaching and he's, he's sort of, he, he's, he's providing sponsorship for this little squad of, I think they're called Sir Stan's Boys, 
he, he organized tours to Brazil for them and stuff. And his, but he uh, was instrumental in getting Steve McConey, uh, who's the first black professional to play. Really? Black, first black South African to play professionally in, in, in Europe. Mm. Uh, that Matthews had played against him on a tour in like, mid 50s, I think. Okay. Um, or maybe yeah, early 50s. I think McConey came over. I think he played for Coventry in 56, made his debut. So, yeah, early 50s, Matthews had, had seen him. And so, I mean, there was a lot of South Africans playing in the English leagues. Yeah. I wonder if Perry was, was part of um, part of introducing him to South Africa. But, yeah, as you say, going to Soweto in the 70s. It's, I mean, you can still find footage of that. There's a, um, uh, I cannot for life of me remember the name of it. It's a documentary. It's a little bit um, VHS-y. And I saw it on YouTube a few years ago, but... Uh, um, of him with the boys, and he's, he, you know, he's in his modern boots and everything, and he's he must be, well, he would have been about early seventies, late sixties by then, and it's just, um, it's very affecting, and I, I, I like the idea of, I'm a bit of a football romantic, and I like the idea of someone like that having the emblem of that game. Um, it's, it's very, um, I, I don't want to draw a kind of a, um, a sort of portrait of Englishness comparison. I don't think that's the time of. The political climate to do that kind of thing. I, I don't. I can't. I can deal without the Twitter sure. reaction to it. Um, but it's just a. His life is very. It's a very wholesome aspect to it. Yeah. Um, divorce aside. Um, and it's. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm interested. You say that because you, you've read both his autobiographies. I read this. Uh, the first one I treat with a little bit of. I, I, I keep it at arm's length because there's there's a few, there's a few oddities between the two in right. my experience. Yeah. The I, second I just, one. I'm. I thought you were somebody who. who actually came out of his own autobiography quite badly. Not as badly as, say, Peter Shilton comes out of his. Oh, there's, well, yeah. But there's, <laughs> that's, a, there's that's definitely the um, there's a, there's an awkward tone to some of it. I mean, definitely his um, the way he treated the England manager, Walter Winterbottom, yeah. looks pretty backward now. You know, his, his sort of total distrust of the idea of tactics or team building, uh, yeah, his attitude to various things. I mean, it's almost certainly filtered through a ghost and probably... It, it's a, it's a tonal issue rather than anything else. But. Do you think that's a, a product of the time then? Because obviously Winterbottom, I suppose Winterbottom is your kind of Andre Villas Boas of his time. <laughs> um, he's he's he kind of car racing, maybe, but yeah, he was okay. an intellectual. He, he read Homer and uh, like he, he was he was a, pipe. He was he was a guy that came along. No, I mean, he genuinely did. No, but, like and he, he sort of, <laughs> it sort of it seems to have been an, an attitude that that was shared. I mean, he he kind of. There's some very disparaging comments associated with Lawton as well at the time about kind of well, what can you teach me about playing, you know, playing football? And it's yeah, but Lawton had been dropped dropped by England for uh, making his big money move to Notts yeah, County. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Lawton had a, had an axe to grind. Matthews. I, I mean, look, Matthews got every right to criticise Winterbottom. I, I I don't know Winterbottom at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, the only sort of contact you get with him is his occasional awful. Um, co-commentary stints. I think he's co-commentated with Wilson Home on the oh on the sixty-eight. One, um, one of the things you mentioned earlier, Seb, is, is Cup final. yeah, is, is you know this idea that these teams playing in straight lines yeah. and the, the, the basic tactics, if there were tactics, of course. And it, 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 it is extraordinary when you look back on it, just how basic. Although we have likened one of their goals to a, a modern-day Man City goal. Well, that's why I find <clears> absolutely fascinating. Completion of the circle, though, isn't it? it really? Yeah, I, I, and, and yet. Um, and you, you hinted at it right, right at the beginning. In a sense, th- this game um, showed you everything that was also wrong with English football. Yes. Um, if you no wonder Hungary took them apart. Well, it's it's this veneration of the winger and the refusal to look at anything else. Mm-hmm. And then Hungary turn up not playing a back four. Although a lot of people say they did play a back four. They played a, a back three with Zakariash very very deep in midfield. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a hair's breadth from being a four two four, but it wasn't quite a four two four. 
And Hungary absolutely play them off the park. I mean, 6-3 sounds embarrassing. England got away with that. That game could well, have been... And then they played again soon after, and it was 7-1. 7-1, yeah. Just to, you know, so take the aggregate score. <laughs> you know, it is, it is a demolition. And but, even then, England got away yeah, with it. This but, is the thing, Mark, I say that, very quickly, is yeah. that, um, and, I, and I will say this political climate, um, you yeah. know, uh, take it into consideration, it shows you the stubbornness of the English, uh, which was brutally exposed by the Hungarians. Well, I, I think in, in many ways, Marcus, because it's sort of the, the fallacy is that um, uh, Nanda Haidekuti comes out of nowhere. Mm. And this is the first time that England have ever seen a deep lying forward. And it's this great mystery and you just don't know what to do. And it's not really true. England have experienced it before. But they sort of have this, I mean, as actually some of those comments in Matthew's autobiography allude to, they have this rejection of outside um, influence in this kind of this total belief in the primacy of English football and English techniques and strength and shoulder barging and yeah. clattering into tackles. Well, and there's and, the stubbornness. You know. Yeah. But it's, it's. I mean, I, I the, the problem is it's very easy to superimpose um, subsequent events on Oh, that. of course. Yeah. And I, I, where I have a certain, I mean, all of it's true. There is a blink in this. There is an insularity. Where I have a certain sympathy is that 4-0 win in Turin was an extraordinary performance. An anomaly, really, in a way. Well, they hammered Portugal. They put 10 past Portugal, a decent Portugal team. They they kept on slipping up. They kept on getting away with it. But if you looked at that forward line, that's the the England forward line of the late 40s, early 50s, when you had... I mean, there was a point where you could have played Lawton as your centre-forward, Lawton's inside-forward, Matthews on the right, Finney on the left, and Mannion Mannion inside-left. I mean, that's an extraordinary forward line. I think that's the last time they played together for England, isn't it? 48, probably. Yeah, against Italy probably was, because Lawton disappeared soon afterwards. And and Mannion, of course, went on strike as well to try and force a move to to Oldham, slightly strangely. (laughs) 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 But yeah, he was playing to Middlesbrough, so you can see why he was trying to get away. Uh, (laughs) Context is crucial, isn't it? Um, But I also think it's, you know, when you have a game like this, which whatever our... um, uh, doubts about the quality of it and very exciting game two goals in you know, the 89th minute and the 92nd minute winner uh, you have this sort of Stanley Matthews the the, the great 38 year old the man who, who's seen yeah. as being this embodiment of football and all that's sort of beautiful and artistic in football and he finally gets the medal he's never won to his career and there's talk of people in the press box standing on the desks and celebrating, which would be very much frowned upon today, and I assume was frowned upon even more back then. And data code, data code was on the phone yeah. before before you got home. Um, and and, and you, so everybody's celebrating yeah. the winger, and the winger's actually the thing mm. that marks England out as being yeah. backward um, and, and holding them back. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, yes, there's an insularity there, but it was also... There are pretty good reasons for them not to see the coming time. That was the greatest games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. We're back next week with another classic game, so do not miss it. See you soon. was a Stakhanov production. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.